Father Pat Michaels, my colleague over at Mount Carmel Church here in Mill Valley, and I came to Mill Valley at about the same time to begin serving in pastoral ministry. In fact, we were installed on the same day, he in the morning, I in the afternoon. We came to each other's services. So we always like to get together, sometimes in passing down at Pete's, and compare notes. How are things going, being Christian pastors in this context for ministry? Father Pat, who came down from the peninsula, noted when he first got here a, a sort of uncanny and somewhat unnerving feature of the culture here, and that is everybody seems to be going in separate directions all the time. Mm-hmm. And gathering together community, not to mention gathering together people around Christ, is more challenging here than even other parts of the Bay Area, and that's saying something. That's saying something. But what was uncanny was that this week, as Father Pat and I were passing again at Pete's, he mentioned he'd come across an old document over at Mount Carmel left there by a sister, a member of a religious order there back in the 1970s, And in that document, she sums up her sense of ministry in Mill Valley. And she put one word there, fragmentation. Which was striking because I had always assumed that what we were experiencing was a byproduct of gentrification or something else that had happened in the economy over the past 20 years. But Father Pat and I agreed in our sort of mutual aha moment that This, in fact, is a very old cultural feature of being in Mill Valley and probably in Southern Marin. Fragmentation. Fragmentation. As if almost on cue this morning, I'll let you in on some of the backroom secrets right before the service. We have a very heavy processional cross, and some of our acolytes find it hard to carry that. So in their ingenuity, Joan and Annette pulled out a lighter weight cross today and covered it with a lovely purple veil. And just as we were getting ready to come down to get lined up, it started to fragment on us. The cross started to fall apart. And so we broke out some ribbon and tied it back together and had a bit of a chuckle about, really, this is how we all are inside, sort of held together with a bit of ribbon, maybe a bit of tape, maybe a few paper clips or two constant drive of our world to fragment us, both internally and externally, is something that we all confront this Lenten season. Consider, for instance, what was going on in our public discourse this week, a very public and somewhat unprecedented dust-up between the Bishop of Rome and one of our presidential candidates. Or a major technological corporation confronting our court system over the investigation in San Bernardino, ostensibly to protect the privacy of all of the critical things we carry around now in our pockets and our purses. Fragmentation, this constant breaking up of our society into factions constant tug and pull at the relationships that nurture us, and above all, 
constant tug away from relationship with God. Perhaps it is no small irony that to prepare to receive God's covenant in today's reading from Genesis, Abram fragments bodies of animals. As if to say, this is all less important than my relationship with you, O God. As the sun goes down, that reality sets in. Abram finds himself set apart for what exactly he is not sure. <coughs> then we come, of course, to today's gospel reading. Talk about fragmentation. Jesus has a strange experience with the Pharisees, almost unique in the Gospels, where they come and seem to side with him for a moment. Perhaps the enemy of my enemy is my friend after all, right? Pharisees do not like Herod much more than Jesus does. Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great, whom we hear about at Christmas time, And like his father, he was a cunning devil. He knew how to work power politics with Rome. Like his father, he liked building projects. In fact, he had built a capital for himself on the shores of Galilee. Tiberias was the name of his capital. But he had less land than his father had. Herod Antipas was a tetrarch. The land had been divided four ways since his father's departure from this mortal life. Herod Antipas had inherited jurisdiction over Galilee, Jesus' home country, and over a dusty little province to the east of the Jordan called Perea, which sort of seemed to hold a quarrelsome province to the east at bay. Herod Antipas styled himself like his father did as a faithful Jew, a good Jewish king, but if you paid close attention to his behavior, he was anything but. In fact, the great scandal was that he had fallen in love with his half-brother's wife, Herodias, and had stolen her away, if you will. She had apparently consented, and she knew how to keep Antipas wrapped around her little finger. And if that wasn't scandalous enough, she also happened to be his niece. Gives you an idea of what was going on in the courts at the time. Those of you who will remember the story, Herod had put up with a quarrelsome little prophet who stood in the Jordan. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist had not minced words when it came to Antipas' marriage to Herodias. Antipas could put up with that. Herodias could not. So at a dinner party, she prevailed on her daughter to seduce Antipas, if you will, into agreeing to give her whatever she wished. And she asked publicly for John the Baptist's head on a platter, and he, not wishing to bring shame upon himself in front of the guests, was forced to comply. 
And if you think that story is worthy of an opera, you're right. Some of you have seen the opera Salome, the name of Herodias's daughter, which we get from the historian Josephus, but I digress. Only to illustrate that as in our time was true in Jesus' time, and that is the foxes were guarding the hen house. And that is not just true of Herod, of course, it is also true of the authorities in Jerusalem. Jesus sees the end of his road, the end, if you will, of the Lenten journey, and sees a cross, sees himself the focus, the scapegoat, the center of the world's fragmentation. But he will not be deterred from his path, not even on pain of death. Maybe the Pharisees were not his friends after all. Maybe they were just saying this so that he would get out of their hair, flee ancient Israel, depart Galilee, stay away from Jerusalem, another quarrelsome prophet to be dealt with, But Jesus says, tell that fox, tell Herod, basically, I'm on God's time, not his. And expresses that deep divine desire to gather all of God's children back under the wings of divine love. Our primary calling is to participate in that. And so, my brothers and sisters, one of our Lenten disciplines is to resist the call to fragment, to be scattered in our various directions by the forces of ego or political forces or obsessions with power or even threats of fear and death, which are rampant in our society these days. And as we are reminded by the gospel, nothing is new under the sun. Our call is to remain steadfast as Jesus was steadfast. Not to be fragmented from our relationship with one another. And above all, not to be fragmented from the love of God given to us even in the darkness as the sun descends into the western sky and we are uncertain what is in store for us. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at our Savior and
ourseavior.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.